For our next industry update, we are reviewing a new survey that was released by MSCC, which is the Minority Serving Cyber Infrastructure Consortium. Uh, They released a survey in partnership with Internet2, and it's basically all about how minority-serving educational institutions need a variety of different network and digital infrastructure support. So to get a little bit more specific, they found that HBCUs... HSIs, which are Hispanic-serving institutions, and TCUs, which are tribal colleges and universities, were in desperate need of broadband infrastructure, workforce training, and development investments. The survey was conducted at the tail end of 2020 and was part of a national effort to advance STEM access, both STEM curriculum and the needed technologies, both to teach it and just to be exposed to different STEM fields for BIPOC students specifically. Uh, Nearly half of the United States HBCUs and almost all of the United States TCUs participated in the survey. And Dr. Damian Clark, he's chief information officer at Alabama A&M University and a member of the MSCC Leadership Council, said the following about the results. He said, quote, these are issues that we are all well aware of within the consortium, but being aware of them is not enough. We have to start doing something. There is an immediate present need for broadband infrastructure across all minority serving institutions. When we talk about broadband, this includes broadband that connects an institution and broadband that is distributed via wired and wireless connections across the campus, end quote. So I think he makes a great highlight there. Not only do they need broadband support to support uh, the actual curriculum infrastructure and um, the broader digital network of an institution, but also provide quality wired and wireless broadband connection to all students, staff, and faculty uh, that might be in and around the campus. So to expand on the results of the survey and how the industry should respond, we're chatting with our one and only EdTech extraordinaire, host of MarketScale's Remote Possibilities and MarketScale's EdTech Today, Kevin Hogan. Kevin, great to have you back on Per Usual. How are you doing? Great, Daniel. As always, you flatter me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, hey, now you've got two shows under your belt that I have to intro you on. So, <laughs> you know, tell the higher-ups they got to slow down on the shows or else this intro is going to start getting a little long. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, Kevin. Uh, so this is a uh, you know pretty serious topic here. I'm curious your thoughts. Um, first thing I want to highlight is that in the survey, almost all of the respondents... Uh, or at least a majority of respondents, said that connectivity, equipment, security, and access to uh, technology, excuse me, were the most valued priorities that respondents favored to support the goals and objectives of research programs at minority-serving institutions. So, again, base level, they need connectivity, they need access to technology, they need the equipment to do it, and they need it to be secure. Uh, Why is it that these institutions are still struggling so much to access these uh, technologies and this network support, even after COVID has normalized a lot of said infrastructure as just a base requirement uh, for education. Yeah, you know, like a lot of things, Daniel, um, the pandemic has brought reality into into stark relief. Um, you know, in the education and the, the ed tech space, um, 
you would go to events and seminars and sessions and people would write white papers uh, about this kind of ethereal, conceptual thing about digital equity. It was just, it was very vague. Um, everyone knew it was a problem, but you'd never really kind of was able to kind of um, wrap your head around it until what we saw what happened last March. I mean, not only on the on the higher ed side, but in, in the K-12 space, um, there are students, there are a lot of students, there are a lot of people in this country that still don't have what you mentioned there, the infrastructure, just the basic technology tools to be connected in a way that is um, is a positive. So that's what I think this survey is, is also helping to kind of clarify is that I mean these are actual numbers these are actual people and it's not just a concept that needs to be addressed and I think it's worth mentioning that as much as our conversation today is about minority serving institutions uh, we've been struggling to get broadband access and equipment and technologies to a majority of schools during uh, COVID. I mean, even the ones that have it, um, you know, it isn't the most robust level of infrastructure. Uh, it's a little makeshift. And I think it's just worth noting that all in all, it's been, uh, I guess, revealing of how behind our uh, network infrastructure is at supporting education and its needs today. I actually want to uh, highlight that for a second. What sort of national mobilization do you think is really needed to meet these kinds of broadband needs? We'll start first with just the minority serving institutions that this survey is based around. Um, you know, there are a very set number of them. The communities are very specific, so it should be easy to target them and deliver the uh, resources that they need, at least uh, on a theoretical level, right? So what sort of mobilization is needed, in your opinion, to make that a reality for these institutions? Well, you're putting me out on a um, on a political cliff here a little bit, Daniel. But uh, I'm not afraid to go. I'm not afraid to go and, and look I love over it. the edge. We're parachuting um, off. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's going to be an industry uh, pivot that's going to have to happen. Uh, you even take out the you know the minority or the racial aspects of things and just look at uh, rural uh, the rural situation when it comes to education and um, the need to put. Uh, access in, in front of students. It's just not profitable for telcos, for telecoms, to roll fiber out to a, a small town in the, in the middle of Nebraska or Wyoming, uh, even though they need that access as much as anyone else does. Um, so there's going to have to be a pivot from industry to look at themselves more as a utility than necessarily as just as a pure uh, a provider who is if if there's something something needs to be done about more than just having um, the total cost of ownership, right? I mean, it, there needs to be a way to either subsidize it or discount it, or just in the same way that we want the expectation that everyone has uh, running water and electricity, uh, they should also have broadband access, and that's to schools and and, and industry buildings as much as homes. Um, but now you, we can go down the dark hole of there aren't people with, with um, running water and electricity as well. 
in the survey, they also mentioned that a lot of respondents wanted to see strong support for collaboration and engagement in the kinds of technologies and uh, broadband deployments that uh, you know, are part of the response to these failures. Um, what are your thoughts there on uh, putting collaboration and engagement as a focus in broadband deployments? How do you see that being part of a strategy for, uh, you know, not only enabling these minority-serving institutions to uh, take advantage of edtech solutions, uh, but also deliver on some of the collaboration that maybe we couldn't get because of COVID. Yeah, I think it's a, it, the the use of this technology for collaboration and for connecting and for sharing experiences as well as the sharing insights uh, is probably one of the great positives uh, to come out of this. Uh, I think when we go back to whatever our new normal is, um, we will still use these sort of platforms. I mean, as basic as Zoom is, um, you still need a broadband um, setup in order for it to work to now we're at the point where, where folks are using it and not even thinking twice about it, as opposed to this time last year, try to get somebody on a, on a video conference call, right? Uh, so if these platforms and infrastructures can be put in in these institutions, they may be able to begin partnerships with other institutions, uh, uh, other programs, other professors that they may not otherwise be able to have access to um, in terms of just having someone in on a Zoom call, a visiting professor come in and, and do a Zoom call who otherwise would never have uh, showed up on campus. Uh, and then you see collaboration with other organizations um, in order to work on programs that before they might have only been doing in isolation. Last main question I've got for you, Kevin. But basically, what can edtech companies do to respond to uh, some of the technological gaps that we see in this survey? I know a lot of it isn't really up to any singular edtech company to deliver on broadband infrastructure. It's not really their playing field. That's going to take a broader national mobilization. But, you know, down to that granular level, what can the edtech industry do to either encourage deployments or assist in uh, expanding access to STEM uh, research, STEM technologies, general online learning? What are your thoughts there for how the industry can participate? I think um, without getting into, you know, heavier bits of the politics, I think a relationship between edtech industry and state governments, um, each state has kind of their own individual uh, unique issues when it comes to this particular problem. Uh, establishing a relationship with state governments uh, who then have also relationships, uh, you know, with both state and university as well as private institutions um, to address that basic infrastructure problem. What is the gear? First, you got to get the gear. Then you can begin to build on the collaboration and the pedagogy and all the other things that you um, can prosper from uh, through the use of that gear. Kevin Hogan, thank you so much for joining us, giving us your insights. I appreciate it. Daniel, thanks again. Thanks again.